today I want us to look at the cross and uh, God the Son. And Jesus in the 14th chapter of John is in the final week of his life, starts in about John chapter 12, and uh, the remainder of the Gospel of John has to do with those final six or seven days of his life before he goes to the cross. In uh, the 14th chapter is where he actually stands up and says, all right, let's go. It is the movement, the geographical relocation from the upper room into the garden where he's arrested and to the crucifixion. And it's interesting, I just finished reading the Gospel of John, and it's interesting to me how he describes from the standpoint of God the Son, how he describes going to the cross. Here's the way he puts it, John 14, 31. I will now do as the Father has commanded me, and so that the world may know I love the Father, rise and let us go. Now, I, I just put a mark uh, beside that when I was reading through John. That's the way that Jesus says, this is what the cross means to me. Why would he put it like that? So the world will know I love the Father. I mean, you'd think he would say, so the world will know I love them. Well, you have to remember that Jesus in the three and a half years he was in public ministry, uh, did not have a good reputation. He healed a blind man on the Sabbath. You, you might think that was a good thing, but John nine sixteen says, some of the Pharisees said, this man can't be from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. He's not obeying the law of Moses. You're not supposed to heal, which they, they believed was work. So he doesn't keep the Sabbath. On one occasion, Mark 3.22, it says the scribes came down from Jerusalem were saying he's possessed by the devil, Beelzebub, another name for Satan. He cast out demons by the power of demons. Well, that's not a very nice thing to say about somebody. He's, he's demon-possessed. John 7.48 says that not one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him. Not one of them. Uh, and even his own family, in Mark 3, 21, when he, he went out and picked 12 disciples uh, and was beginning a movement, a new Israel with the 12 and a, with new 12 tribes and new covenant his family, after hearing all this in Mark 3.21, came down and, and uh, to this crowded house and 
it says his family heard about all this. They went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. They thought he was nuts. James, his brother, you remember, uh, was... In 1 Corinthians 15, it says Jesus appeared after his resurrection to James, his brother, and James was converted and then later became the pastor in Jerusalem. But at this, before the resurrection, crucifixion and resurrection, they, they thought, oh, that's our brother Jesus. Yeah, he's a little wacky. So they thought he was a lawbreaker, disobedient to Moses. They thought that he was... Uh, devil-possessed, they thought he was crazy. And this this had kind of a cumulative effect on Jesus. And Jesus now desires to prove once and for all that he does love the Father. And it has grieved him, and he will now express in a devotion that and an act of sacrifice incomparable in history. Not only do I love the Father, nobody loves the Father like the Son. This is actually the driving force of his life. Jesus did not go around simply meeting people's needs. I mean, he did meet needs, but that wasn't the driving force of his life. Uh, in uh, John 5, 3, he went into where it says there was a multitude of lame and blind and sick people. But what did he do? Did he heal all of them? No, he picked out one man. He was, he was, uh, he was uh, lame for 38 years. Healed him and walked away and left the rest of them. He didn't go around... What was the basis on which he would do things? And here's, his, here's what he says, uh, John 6, 38. I have not come from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He would just do what God told him to do. What He would pray and get God's will, and that's what he would do. He wouldn't do anything more, and he wouldn't do anything less. And... Uh, John twelve forty nine says, "For I did not speak; uh, I do not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say what to say and how to say it." <laughs> you know, it's one thing to say. Here's what God told me to say, but it's also how do you say it? The nuance, the countenance, the body language. Jesus said, "The Father t- tells me." what to say, how to say it, John 12 and in verse 50, and I know his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father told me to say. Not a word more. He didn't, he didn't give a command and then put a little dig. You know, you ever talk to people to tell you the right thing, but then they'll put a little barb at the end of it. He didn't do that. He didn't come. Here's, here's the... Uh, John six thirty eight. he said, I come from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him. I did not come to speak of my own accord, but what he gives me to say, that's what I say. 
This, this pleasing God, obeying God the Father, was the driving force of his life. John 8, 28. Listen to this. I do nothing on my own. Nothing. I speak just what the Father has taught me, John 8, 28. The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing in his sight. I just please the Father. What I say, what I do, the way I do it, the way I say it, I, my driving force is just to please the Father. So here in the end of his life, he says, I'm going to show the world I love the Father. That that is the most important thing in my life. I am preoccupied with my love for the Father. We should distinguish between Jesus' motive and his purpose. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.15, Jesus Christ came into the world to do what? Save sin. That's his purpose. That was the purpose for which he came. Luke 19.10, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his purpose. But what is his passion? What is his motive? What is the driving fire? The driving fire in his life was his love for the Father. Now that's not to say that Jesus doesn't love us. That's not to say that he doesn't have compassion. In fact, uh, up in John 13, 1, it says he loved his disciples. He loved them all the way to the end. He does love us. But that love flows out of the love of the Father, his love for the Father and the Father's love to him. So we're looking at the cross and God the Son. What was the driving force this obedience to the Father. And let me give you three or four things here. Christ's obedience to the Father, his, especially his obedience to the cross, gives us, shows us four important things. Number one, it shows to us the greatest display of love for God that the world has ever or ever will see. There is nothing that can ever be comparable to this. That's what he says. So the world will know I love the Father. Let's go. And here's, here's the reason I say that. Uh, Jesus, before he came to earth, was God the Son in perfect bliss in heaven, surrounded by glory, this uh, is what he says in John seventeen five. G Jesus prayed, Father, the time has now come. Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. Jesus had glory before the world began. In the presence of the Father, adored by the angels, embraced by the Father, in perfect bliss. He had the glory of heaven, and yet he came. From where he came from, what did he come to? He came to the cross. Now, the cross, you know, that's a logo and a symbol that we're used to and we revere the cross, we wear the cross. 
But in the days of Jesus, the cross was taboo. Cicero, in the first century, said about the cross, it is impossible to find a word for such an abomination as this. Let the cross be far removed, not only from Roman citizen's body, but from his mind, his eyes, and his ears. They didn't want to talk about the cross. They didn't want to mention the cross. It was, it was a terrible means of execution reserved only for the most disgusting of criminals. And even the Jews, when the Jews crucified someone, which was a Roman means of execution, they would say, don't do it in the streets, don't do it in the community. In fact, get him completely out of the city walls itself, not even in Jerusalem whatsoever. Hebrews thirteen twelve. so Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. Get him out of the city if you're going to crucify him. Kill him next door if you want to. But if you're going to crucify him, get him out of the city. So that's where he was. This is what he came to. The crucifixion death. Not just He didn't just become a man. He didn't just become a humble Jewish man who was a servant. He didn't just become a servant who was killed. He became a servant who was killed on a cross from as high as you can be to as low as you can go, there is no one in history that ever has been or ever shall be that has ever given the sacrifice and devotion of his life to the Father like Jesus did in 33 A.D. And when the Father beheld this kind of love from the top to the bottom, when he, when he left the glories of heaven and went to the cross on earth, when the Father beheld that, here's what the Father said. You know what? I love you. I, I, I'm raising you up. And in Psalm 2, here is the Father's decree. Psalm 2, verse 5. Psalm 2, verse 5 and 6. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Here's the decree. The Lord said, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. That is, he's raised him and, and brought him back up. Ask of me, I'll make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. You'll break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like potters. Uh, like potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise and be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve him with fear. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish. You know what God said? There's never again going to be a king in the earth. I am making my son the king of glory. All authority in heaven and earth. Before Jesus, Rome ruled the world. It was the Roman Empire. Before Rome, Greece ruled the world. Before Greece, Persia ruled the world. Before Persia, Babylon, Babylon, Babylon ruled the world. Under Nebuchadnezzar, there were mighty empires that ruled the world. Once Jesus came and made that sacrifice, God said, "Rulers are done. You can have your own little countries, but never again will there be a king over all the earth." 
because I have set my king on my holy hill and, no, and I am not going to let anybody get close to competition. Jesus is the king. Never will. You don't have to worry about Antichrist taking over the world. God's already got a king and it's not the Antichrist. Amen? You didn't have to worry about Hitler if you were alive. Well, probably nobody here under Hitler. But you didn't have to worry about Hitler. They didn't have to worry about Neb uh, 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 about Napoleon. You don't have to worry about the communist. You don't even have to worry about global warming. <laughs> Jesus is the king. God's made, given it all to him. Ask for the nations, he said, that I will give you the world for your inheritance. That's the basis of missions. Philippians Chapter 2, verse 9, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every name. Why? Because he humbled himself even to death on the cross. Gave him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When God the Father saw the love and devotion of God the Son, God the Father just embraced him and received him back into heaven and he commanded all the angels, Hebrews chapter 1, to worship. No religious leader, no prophet in the present or the past or the future, no pope or person has ever come from so high a place and gone to so low a depth as the Lord Jesus Christ in his love for the Father. Let me give you a second thing. We're, we're looking at the motive, the driving force of God the Son, and it was his love and obedience to the Father. And the first thing we said, that that is a display of love that you will never find anywhere in history except right there. Nobody ever loved God. Here's a second. The devotion of Christ to the Father also gives us a pattern for Christian service. Look at, uh, if you're in John 14, look at John 15 and verse 10. John 15 and verse 10. Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Notice the pattern. How you serve me, keep my commandments, abide in my love, just as I kept the Father's commandments and abide in His love. He, Jesus in His service and devotion to the Father is the pattern for our service and devotion to Jesus. This display of love on the cross is the pattern by which we serve God. We should make distinction between our work and our passion thing that drives us. And think about this. What kept Jesus here? Do you think Jesus ever got tired of putting up with the Pharisees and even the disciples? Listen to this verse in Matthew 17, verse 17. Uh, this father brought his son, who had demons, he brought his son to Jesus, or to the disciples. The disciples couldn't cast the demon out. 
So the father then went to Jesus and said, Jesus, your disciples couldn't cast him out. And here's what Jesus says. Matthew 17, 17. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long do I have to stay with you? How long do I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. <laughs> Isn't that a little weird? Isn't that like, whoa, you're not like Christ. You're not being Christ-like today. <laughs> Are you a Christian? He says, how long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. They brought the boy to Jesus and he cast the demon. And I read that and I thought, wow. Jesus got frustrated with, and I think he made a sweeping gesture taking in the father. Father, why don't you let your children get in such a situation? Disciples, I have given you authority to cast out demons. Why can't you cast out a demon? How long do I have to be here? Father, beat me up. <laughs> Get me out of here. Let the rapture come. So, but why did he stay? What, do you think that Jesus just looks at us and he's just, he just melts? Oh, look at Jason. I'm so in love with Jason. We're so beautiful. We're so educated. We're so good. He just can't get over us. No, he came because he loved the Father. And that is the see, and the basis on which Jesus served the served the Father and loved the Father was the basis of his ministry. What he did, what he said, his whole life, his devotion, his sacrifice. And it is the basis on which we minister as well. If we're going to serve Jesus, we must take that as our pattern. Because here's a question. Do you ever get tired of serving Jesus? Do you ever get tired of the people He sends you to serve? People who work in the nursery. Y'all ever get tired of changing diapers in there? Or you just say, oh good, another poopy pants. I get to do this. I'm just, I don't even know whose baby this is. Why am I in here? <laughs> Don't I change enough diapers at my house? Why do we do what we do for the people of God? Is it because we're just so in love with them? No, it's because we love Jesus. Peter is an example of this. Peter betrayed or denied Jesus, went back to fishing, and Jesus, after his resurrection, showed up on the shoreline and said, Peter, Take some breakfast here and let's, let's chill out a little and let me talk to you. Peter's a fisherman. He's, been, he's there on the shore. He said, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Peter bowed his head. Lord, I, I messed up, but you know I love you. And then Jesus said this, Feed my sheep. The word feed is the same Greek word used of pastor in Ephesians 4. Uh, God gave some pastors, evangelists, so on. It's the same Greek word. Pastor my sheep. I'm calling you to be a pastor of sheep. Now Peter's a fisherman. And he could have said, Lord, I know what sheep are like. 
That's why I'm a fisherman. They stink. They're stupid. They stray. I, I, I read this week that sheep cannot see past 15 feet in front of them. They have to have shepherds. Jesus said, now, Peter, I'm calling you to do the thing you're not equipped for. I'm calling you to do the thing you don't like to do to people you don't really like. Come and do it. I don't like sheep, but Jesus, I love you. Therefore, I will follow you wherever you lead me. The pattern that Jesus set before the Father is the pattern we follow in our service for Jesus Christ. We must never make people the driving force of our service. But like the Master, we must make Jesus Himself the core, the power, the motivation, and the passion for which we do things. Listen to Hebrews 16. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you help the people and continue to minister to them. Notice the way he puts that. God's not unjust. He won't forget your work and the love you show Him. <laughs> because He knows that sometimes you're not, you, you don't really love them. Part of my uh, duties, and I would also add privileges, is visiting people in nursing homes and hospitals. And it's sometimes it is not just because of the person I'm visiting necessarily, but just being in those settings is depressing. We must follow Jesus out of love for Jesus because he does care about hurting people and he will send us to them. Third, Christ's display of love for the Father tells us what it means to be a Christian and become a Christian. This comes out of Galatians chapter 4. What does it mean to be a Christian? You receive the Spirit. You open your heart to the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ sends His Spirit. We open our hearts to His Spirit. What is that Spirit? Galatians 4 says, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. And that Spirit prompts us to cry out, Abba, that is the essence of the Christian life. I am now the child of God. One final point. Jesus going to the cross shows us that death is the doorway to the Father. He gives a new meaning to death. See, for, for a non-Christian, all they have all they see, all they feel is right here in this earth. This is their car, their house, their family. Everything is here. If, once you leave this earth, what do you have? So, so they have nothing when past death. Everything is here for them. But for the Christian, see, when he says, I want you to know that I love the Father, let's go. Because for me, the cross 
is not only a sacrifice for sinners, but the cross is the doorway into the presence of my Heavenly Father. He's going home. <laughs> See, that's what he meant up in John 14, 28. He said, I'm going away and I will come back to you, but if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. I'm, look, death for me. Guys, I know you're sad because everything you have is what you see, but if you understood what death is, even the cross, it is for me a doorway into the full presence of the Heavenly Father. And you, if you understood what that was for me, you would rejoice rather than be happy because I'm going to the Father. I'm going home where I belong. Your love to the Father is shown in the way you view death. Do you view death as leaving it all and losing it all? Or do you do, view death as being at last in the full, unhindered presence of the one passion in your life? That is your heavenly Father. Paul Powell, a pastor in Tyler, Texas, <clears throat> tells about a beautiful girl in his church who, uh, before she turned 16 years old, she was diagnosed with cancer. And after much prayer and long, grueling battle, which she lost, um, they had a very sad And Pastor Powell said he, they gave him to read and part of the scripture was from her Bible. And uh, during the funeral, he was he noticed an inscription in her Bible. And this little teenage Christian girl put in an inscription in her Bible these words. The cross may not be easy. The cross is the way home. That is one of the things Jesus meant. So the world knows I love the Father. I don't shrink from the cross or from death. It's my time. And I want you to know I love the Father. Let's go. And in the same way, when it comes time to die for a Christian, here can be your testimony you can leave behind. I want you to know I am not shrinking from this door that I, I haven't been through that door before, but I don't shrink from that because as a Christian, I'm going into the presence of my Heavenly Father, whom I love. And so you'll know I love the Father. Let death come at His time and in His way. Let it come because I'm going into His presence. That's the Christian faith. That's what Jesus here showed us how to die. The display of Christ's devotion to his Father gives us these wonderful lessons that I think will stand us in good stead over the next few years. May his grace impress them so we don't forget them.